thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And our beautiful Kimmy, she's still in New Zealand. <laughs> Little tart. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I would say that. Like she's been with Pete Evans. She's been with Nora Gagardis. She's been with Charlotte Carr. She's been with Helen Paladin, which I never can remember how to say her name properly. Well, sounds like you did a good um, job. I think, I think I said that right. And, and Luke. Oh, my gosh, she's been having a ball. And then she's been doing lots of hikes. So, yeah. <sighs> She's just, we just can't pin her down, can we, Karen? No, and I was only just talking to my Matt about her the other day and we both agreed we want to be her when we grow up. <laughs> yeah. Either her or you because the two of you always seem to be just sitting around somewhere fabulous. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Yeah, we do do a good life. We all yeah, do. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. So given that our beautiful Miss Kimmy is not with us today, we thought, that, well, actually Miss Cindy thought that it would be really amazing to interview somebody very special um, on the line with us today. Cindy, why don't you introduce today's guest? Because I think you're going to do it far more justice than what I would. Oh, I'd love to. So um, we're introdu- I'm introducing Leanne. Leanne is also known as Primal Mum. And she, we met at the um, breakthrough up in the Dandenongs. So Leanne came and was listening to the wellness guys and the Up for Chat girls and there was a couple of other people there, including the beautiful Jo Whitten, which who is Quirky Joe. And Leanne and I started talking and she told me that um, she had a genetic disorder in her family um, that I actually had never met anybody who um, had one child let alone two children with this disorder. And the disorder is PKU, or let me say this rightly, and phenylketonuria. And it's where the body cannot break down phenylalanine, which is an amino acid that helps us produce dopamine and noradrenaline and um, also tyrosine. And what happens is the amino acid is not broken down and so then it causes havoc in the brain and can cause... Um, Brain injury, not not necessarily brain injury, but um, a dysfunction or, or yeah, a, a, a dysfunction in the brain. It because it just builds up in the brain. But can, I'm yeah, not the it can expert. Cause the way the brain functions and and works, and the way the body works yeah. as as well. It can cause mental and physical retardation if not treated or managed through diet. Yeah, and so then I went. I'm not the expert at it. You know, I learned about it, but because I've never had to deal with it. I thought it would be really good for our listeners to understand why their child gets pricked the middle minute it's born with a needle on its heel mm. to look at whether it has PKU or not. So, Leanne, welcome. Please, <laughs> please. Look, Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I, look, what I want you to start with is, is your knowledge of PKU before you had your first child. Let, let's talk about there. I had no knowledge of PKU before my son, who's a twin, was diagnosed. It's only one of the twins that has PKU. I knew nothing until I had to get the boys retested 10 days after birth. And that was when it all came to light. And that was when I was swamped with this word PKU, that 
I had no idea about. And it's it was daunting. It was daunting to find out. And then the way I dealt with it was to throw myself into a world of information, to absorb as much as I possibly could and become as knowledgeable as I could. So then I had the tools to be able to deal with whatever came of it. Okay, so in 10 days, you would have been breastfeeding, right? So you would have had your colostrum yes, and your breastfeeding. Yep. And then yes. phenylalanine is in breast milk. So it what were you is. advised to do? Uh, the first time that we found out, we took the boys back to have to be retested. My doctor rang me that night. It was a it was a stormy night, and they rang me from Wodonga, which is over an hour away. It was ten o'clock at night, and I had to put the twins in the car and drive back to Wodonga. And I knew nothing. They just said something was wrong with the testing. I had to get them retested. And my doctor rang me when I got home that night and said, "Look, we think one of the boys might have PKU." He said, "But we don't know much about it." I don't know much about it. He said, whatever you do, don't Google it. Why would you say that to someone? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I'm going to Google Google it. (laughs) So I Googled it and, oh, it was – look, I I sat there and cried till 4 o'clock in the morning. And then we got a phone call from the Royal Children's Hospital from the genetics uh, doctor and he told me to come down the next day. So my husband was actually in Port Douglas at his sister's wedding at this stage and my mum was with me. So we waited for him to get home and we went down to Melbourne. Now they had access to a new drug called tetrahydrobiopterin, which is a synthetic form of the enzyme BH4 and that's what converts the phenylalanine into the non-essential amino acid tyrosine. So it's the phenylalanine that was building up and what they discovered was Luke had a very sluggish enzyme, which is phenylalanine hydroxylase. So they gave him a loading dose of the BH4. And within this time, they said, look, his levels aren't getting too high. At this stage, they were up around 800, which they try to keep them around 400 to keep them in the safe zone. They said, let's just see what this comes back as. So they gave him a loading test and he responded really, really well and it brought his levels down instantly. And because it was such a small dose, I was able to continue breastfeeding, which was such a gift to me because I was I was terrified. I was thinking I'm going to have to put this baby on some kind of synthetic formula that's not even as bad as a synthetic formula. It's probably worse because it's so synthetic that it can't have protein in it. They put extra tyrosine in it. They put so many things in it that cannot the body can't get from a natural source. So I was able to continue breastfeeding till 14 months and Luke was able to start taking the synthetic BH4 and continued to do so. So that was very exciting for us that he was so responsive to this new drug. Leanne, I'm just I'm, I've, I've got... Um... I've Googled it. So. Yes. <laughs> of course you have. Of course. You're so efficient. <laughs> so I'm trying to, looking at, at, at the explanation in terms of where something like this initiates, like how does it actually start? And it's what I'm seeing here is it's saying that both parents have yeah. to have at least one of the mutated PAH genes. I mean, how uncommon would that be that both parents would actually get together and have that mutated gene? But then even then it's saying even if both parents are carriers, 
it's not a given that the child will will have no. PKU. It's it's it, and it's a one in four chance. And there's no way that a parent can actually know because there are no medical symptoms to say that you would have that you would be a no. carrier of PKU. So you and your husband could never have possibly known. That, never. And now it's, and I'm also just. Re- I mean, you know, listen, listen to me. I'm rambling. <laughs> But I'm also looking at it now in terms of your son. There's also a 50% chance that he'll be a carrier, but he may never develop the actual, issue, you know, a mutated gene to pass on. So it's Yeah, yeah. Such well, we don't know with Mason, his twin, whether he has the gene or we could have passed on two copies of our good genes or passed on one good one and one with the mutation. We're not sure, but my daughter, Violet, who is two years younger than the boys, she has PKU as well. And we knew when I fell pregnant with her that there was a one in four chance. But because we knew of Luke's situation, it would be that same mutation. So we knew with Luke, he was... He was developing fine. He was hitting every milestone above and beyond. And we were doing all the right things with him. He was doing the right things. So we knew with this next baby that it would be the same. We knew how to handle it when the baby was born. And as it turned out, I had a feeling that she probably would be PKU, but we knew we'd handle it. We knew it'd be the same as Luke and she would be fine. She'd be fine. You have two little people in your family with PKU? Yeah, I do. I do. Two out of your three? Two out of my three. Bless you. So you can imagine when they were all eating that – the first two years of their lives, they were low-protein vegans. So I was having to make food for the twins. Mason was having was at that stage eating what you would regularly give a child and introduce into their food. He was having banana, avocado, veggies. Luke was having fee-free veggies. So he couldn't have bananas or avocado to start off with. We were giving him pumpkin. He was having... Uh, He still had to have a type of formula for his first food, which was his PKU gel. And that was what gave him all those extra nutrients that he couldn't actually get from having high amounts of protein in his food. So that was the path that we went through with the dietitian. So I was cooking two lots of food, but because I wanted the boys to have something that looked similar, Mason would have, if Mason had a sausage, I bought a KitchenAid and I would make vegetarian sausages for Luke that were just full of mashed veggies. So that way they would have the same things. And I was baking. Everything was gluten-free, wheat-free, nut-free, egg-free. So there was a there was a lot of baking. And then I'd have another lot for Mason that would be the regular kind of food. So um, then when Violet started eating, Mason would sit there and go, why do I have to eat that when they're – I want to eat what they've got. Why, oh. why is my food differently? So he felt the odd one out. Wow. And so that, so then did you start just making the same food for all of them? Uh, pretty much. They had, they had a diet that was very, very rich in vegetables was the main ingredient for everything my kids ate. And then it just differed in the protein. Yeah, so right. Mason would have higher protein things and Luke and Violet would have something similar, but on the lower protein scale. And of course, as they got older, their body weight increased, they could tolerate a higher amount of protein. And we knew this from doing fortnightly blood testing that we send off. And it's the Guthrie test. It's still the Guthrie card, but we send off one circle of a blood test. We just prick their finger 
all their heel when they were babies and send that off fortnightly so we could get a reading of what their feed levels were and what their tyrosine levels are because phenylalanine is converted to tyrosine. And as you know, Cindy, tyrosine is, is crucial. It's a non-essential amino acid, which means the body makes it. But it is, it's essential for everything. And people who have sleep disorders, Alzheimer's, chronic fatigue, uh, it's even treated for, as an appetite suppressant, all these things, heart disease, People with ADHD are also treated with, with tyrosine. So it's so important that the body has a good level of tyrosine. So my main, my main mission for the children was to be able to get as much through a natural source as possible as opposed to having it in a synthetic form. So we worked with the doctors, with the dietitians to be able to increase their synthetic BH4 when needed so they could get as much natural food as possible. So the, the BH4, I just want to go, um, actually I've got two questions for you. I want to go back in time just a little bit about the genetics of this whole thing and then I want to talk to you about the BH4. So genetically in your family and in your husband's family, has there been any PKU? No. I'm not sure about my father's side of, of the family. Uh, they're Irish and in Ireland, I know it's it's like one in three to four thousand that are born with PKU. It's it's not as rare as it is here, and I'm not sure through his line, but nowhere else in either side of the family that I know of, of has ever showed up with any genetic disorders. How does this happen? Like I, I was, I was meant to be a mum of two PKU children. That's how. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because as we we go on, we'll realise the importance of this information getting out. Um, because I think, as you said, in um, Ireland, it's one in three thousand. In Australia, I think it's one in ten thousand. Am yeah, I right yeah. there? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So um, it seems to be, you know, like if we get more Irish moving out here, we're in trouble. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, they say usually it's it comes with the blonde, the blonde hair, the fairer features, because tyrosine affects melanin, and that's involved in the pigment of your your eyes and your skin. So usually, people with PKU have fair, very fair features: blue eyes, blonde hair, pale skin. So it's. Um, and, and I'm not I was, sure if that comes for, from Irish, but. Well, I always go back in. And I try to figure out, well, what was the, was there any purpose for this? And when you think about it, blue eyes, blonde hair. So in the areas that in northern, uh, like Norway and Sweden, in the Lapland areas where people didn't have enough sun, they needed that skin colour in order to, the amount of sun that they would get, they would be affected by it. But then why would it then cause mental retardation? Because you can't. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me that it has any genetic adaptation or anything worthwhile when you can't break down your phenylalanine. So no. I, it just does, it doesn't seem right, does it, that, that this should be happening. So my next question was the BH4. So even though the children are taking BH4, um, you still have to monitor how, you know, how that is happening or you give them a dose every single day. How does this happen? Okay, uh, the BH4, the patent now for BH4 is QVAN. So the QVAN that they take, they have, it's 50, 
So one and a half tablets in the morning for Luke, one and a half at night. Now, if you were to buy these without the funding through the hospital, it's $50 a tablet. Uh, Violet has one in the morning and one uh, at night. And the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne are the only hospital in Australia that funds their own treatment for PKU. So... I've had a few a few issues with that because we are the only state, the Royal Children's Hospital, fund, fund the QVAN themselves, whereas no other state in Australia does this. So if you are born in Victoria and you go to the genetics department of the Royal Children's Hospital, they give you a loading test to see if you are responsive in PKU because not everyone is actually responsive, especially in classic PKU because... They don't have that high uh, phenylalanine hydroxylase enzyme at all. It's my children have that enzyme, but it barely functions. So the BH4 is what gives it that extra boost. So they give you that loading dose. And then we started the kids based on weight as to how much they have. And that's why I was able to continue breastfeeding both children. And then as they grow, it's all based on weight. And we look at their diet, how much phenylalanine they're having in the protein, and we weigh that up. So it's all very, it's all very controlled. We still continue to do their blood testing fortnightly to make sure their ratios are right. So they could have high phenylalanine levels, but the ratio of tyrosine being converted, if that's even enough, that's okay. You need to be still converting that. So the ty- the QVAN is only available in Victoria, and that's why this is a bit of a unique story as far as as far as this goes. Because I have never met another family who are taking QVAN. I've never met another person that is on the QVAN as well, and it's kept very a little bit hush hush in Victoria just because they can't treat anyone from any other state. So a lot of people in New South Wales that have BH4 responsive PKU and have had the loading test and are responsive can't access the QVAN. This is, this is crazy. I don't understand But it improves that. the lives of, of children. I look at my children who have a close to regular diet. They have a very healthy diet. They are not deprived of anything. They have a beautiful diet because they have the QVAN. So whereas children who don't have access to that and are BH4 responsive are on a very restrictive PKU diet and some kids are on nine grams of protein per day. Wow, that's not a lot. And so how does that, how does that affect, like, would you, how does that affect the child? You know, like for your kids having access to the drug and then those kids not having access to the drug. So what... What's the what's the difference? Can we see? For me, the difference was was guilt um, that my children have access to this and have such a beautiful normal life, yeah. and that other children can't access the can't access the QVAN at all. And I found it hard to get onto PKU sites because other people and there is a lot of. And I, and I completely understand that if my children didn't have access to it and someone else did, it would be, why not? Absolutely. That I, 
there was a little bit of animosity towards me because my children have access to it. But I don't think people realize that you've got to take a good path with it. If you get up and uproar, why can't I have it? Why can't I have it? My children deserve it too. You're not going to get the response that you that you want, which is we want access to the QVent. Everyone needs to have a BH4 loading test to see if they're responsive. And especially in children, it comes with with mindset as well. If you can if you can give your children the gift of being able to have a beautiful natural diet and being able to nourish their bodies for how it's genetically designed to function, what better gift? What better gift? And that's why I struggled with getting out that my children have PKU for starters and sharing that and now that my children have access to the QVAN because I want people to look at my kids. I want people to know that you can have a beautiful life. It increases your quality of life. So why wouldn't the government want to increase the lives of all children that have PKU? Give them the opportunity to have a beautiful life, to eat these amazing foods and to be able to source their vitamins and minerals from a natural source instead of a synthetic one. So most um, people are, that have PKU in Australia, and I was trying to figure out the figures. So if it's one in 10,000, are we looking at 2% of the population have PKU? Am it's, I right? It's very small. It's, it's very small. In Victoria in the last 12 months, there has been two babies born with PKU in over the last year. Okay. So it's very small, and that's probably why the, the drug is so expensive, is that mm. they don't need to make a lot. And, I not, you know, like I look at it this way, I go, $50 for a tablet. Yeah. Um, surely that drug companies, you know, the, I think of Australia and the PBS scheme that we've got, which is the, um, the what's it, what's PBS stand for? The prescribing um, benefit scheme where we actually, or the Australian government actually pays for many people's drugs, such as their statin drugs or their high blood pressure drugs or diabetes drugs. And so my thoughts are, well, you know, PKU um, is a, a, an issue. Why are they not doing this for the whole of the Australian population for that? That just doesn't make any sense. And, and the fact that the ones that aren't on it can only have nine grams of protein. Like, let, yeah. Let's just put that into a context. Think of 100 grams of meat. It's tiny. Mm. It's not a lot. Then divide that by 10 and you probably have to divide it. You probably double that because then you've got your nine grams of protein because there's other stuff as well as that. You know, it's, 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 it's very restrictive. slices of Helga's bread. Is that what it is? slices of Helga's bread is nine grams of protein. So if if you if you put it that way, you realize how little it is. And when you think there's protein in all vegetable, most vegetables and fruit, mm. that's it's a very 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 small amount of protein, protein, which means there's a lot of fillers to fill the gaps and formulas. So let's talk about the diet that people would normally have on PKU, and then let's talk about what you've done for your children because that I think. For me, just um, I look. I just fell madly in love with you because of the amount I did. You know, Thank you. Just, you. <laughs> the amount of effort that you put into this and what you've done and your your testing and your knowledge. And I think this is what is happening. I, I just saw um, a, like a paper recently that it's now they're asking patients to become educated so that the patient and the doctor can work hand in hand 
in a partnership as opposed to a dictatorship, which is what a lot of patients go into. They go into their doctor. The doctor says, you have this disease, you take this you take this pill and then that's it. Whereas they're now saying we want education with our patients so that we begin a partnership together and I think that's what you've done. So can you I explain? I think that that's very important, very important part of it to have that yeah. trust. So can you explain the diet of, the, of a, a child that is on a diet that's prescribed by a dietitian with PKU? Uh, a diet that's prescribed, okay, it's... A dietitian will usually tell you you'll have your formula. Yeah. Now for is that an elemental for babies, formula? So it's the elemental it's a, formula. It's it's a fee free formula. So it's a formula that has everything that a regular formula would have, except phenylalanine. It will have no phenylalanine, and it will have things like extra tyrosine yep. or extra calcium because you your body still needs to to have these things to develop. Uh, they will have, they'll go on to eat, they'll have their formulas that they will eat, which is a very, it's very bitter. It's a very sour, very bitter, really horrible taste. A lot of kids struggle with the taste of these formulas and coolers. They will have things like pumpkin, pumpkin, apple, carrot, and then there's a huge market now for fee-free products, which is pastas, breads, flowers that are all phenylalanine-free. So a lot of their food will be made up through that. And, of course, they can't have, even though it's a very vegan diet, they can't have any lentils, legumes, nuts, seeds. It is incredibly restrictive. There is not a lot of variety, so you're sticking pretty much with the same kind of foods constantly. Uh, I was talking to a lady the other day that we met a couple of years ago who has classic PKU and who is no longer actually monitored anymore through uh, her metabolic clinic. And we were talking about a lot of the PKU synthetic foods that she was recommended to eat. And this is through her dietitian that she was told if she didn't eat these foods and if she went off her diet, she would no longer be working through the metabolic clinic. They would have to take her off the list. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we were talking about substituting certain foods. And I said to her, well, instead of the fee-free pasta, it's a very plastic kind of food, would you try like zucchini noodles with a tomato-based vegetarian pasta sauce? Things like that. So it's you don't always have to go for the synthetic-made foods, especially if you can tolerate more protein. If you can find that in a low-protein vegetable, you can do so much. You can do so much. And also if you tell these children, if you teach them to nourish their bodies, to nurture their bodies, to give their body what their body needs because everyone's body needs something different. Everyone has a different philosophy around food, different values around food. Mm. And my thing is to teach them this is what your body needs. You do have phenylketonuria. It is not you. You are not PKU, but you do have PKU. So let's look at how we can nourish your body. Let's look at the foods that we can have. Let's experiment with them. Let's let's make these awesome things with your food so you can have natural vitamins. Yes, you do need to pick up where 
synthetic foods where you need to as far as your formulas. That's very, very crucial. I'm not saying never go off that and it's always working with your dietitian. But this is what confuses me even as far as with the doctors. We were down at the Children's Hospital recently and for the first time my dietitian did not take any record of what the kids eat because she said, Leanne, I know, I know what you're doing. I know what your kids are eating. They're doing a great job. I'm not even going to write down what they're mm. eating. So she didn't even take a list of what they eat and, and add it all up. And I asked the doctor, is I've been I've been drinking a lot of bone broth myself and I've been putting it in all the kids' foods and they have probiotics. I even take the kids to a chiropractor. We have a very natural way of doing things. And because they take the QVent, it's very big for me to say, okay, you're taking this, you need it. Let's nourish your body. So let's look at your gut health. We really need to really focus on that and look after your gut health. So when you take the QVAN, it's not going to have as bad an effect on your gut biome. I asked their doctor, does the QVAN affect the gut biome? And he said, Leanne, would you stop doing it if I said yes? And I said, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to, I'm asking because I want to know. That's why I'm asking you. And he said, not that we know of. So I, I took that as a bit of I'm not sure, but I'm thinking myself it's got to have some effect. So for me, I like to to really work on the gut health and they, they tell you what they think you need to know. It's very hard sometimes to get information and no one really wants to touch PKU, I've found. But you are and that's what I love about you is that um, you're ready to get out there and tell your experience and what's helping you and what you've been able to feed your children. So now you've given us, like, I've got elemental formula, pumpkin, apple, carrot, fee-free pasta, uh, no lentils, no nuts, no seeds, and very little variety. So that's the, the PKU um, standard diet. Yeah. Let's look at what you're doing. What, what are you feeding your children? Now, we've heard bone broth. What else? They'll get up in the morning. They'll have, we call it green eggs. So they'll have kale and spinach. That's been, I pre-process that and freeze it in ice blocks. They'll have green eggs. They'll have pie. So you've got eggs in there. Eggs, yes, yes. They have eggs in there. They have. They even have forage. They have forage oh. with coconut yogurt. Damien will be happy you say oh, that. Oh, he will be. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. They love all the the seeds, and they think that's fantastic. I make them. They even they have bacon. They have. I make them little pikelets with, I'll use two green bananas, three eggs, some almond meal, some vanilla, cinnamon and chia seeds and I'll whiz that up in the bullet and I'll just pour that into the frying pan and it it comes out the consistency of little pikelets and they love that with fresh berries and some coconut yogurt. Well, they also like natural yogurt but they'll have either yogurt with, with berries on top. They'll have banana bread. So okay, I make so banana can I bread. Ask you, so can I ask you why green bananas? So do you make um, your banana at, bread at with Hogs, green bananas? No, I make banana bread with mushy bananas okay. and I make the pikelets with green bananas. It holds a better consistency. Yeah, because you know Other there's banana the, flour now um, that they yes, make yes. with green bananas. Yeah. I use the banana flour 
in the banana bread when they take it to school because they can't take nuts to school. So when they have it at home, I use almond meal. And when they take it to school, I use banana flour and coconut flour. This is her delicious. This is me. I've been sitting here looking at, I've been Googling the PKU diet and I'm looking at the recipes and I'm going, ooh, ooh. Because it's all vegan. It's <laughs> yeah, it is. Although it you've is got bacon, you've got bacon base. and eggs, but a lot of it is, you know, um, very much on what you love, Karen. <laughs> okay, so that's that's. Um, keep going with breakfast. I'm just I'm loving this because, look, um, I, I think we need to put a little bit of a, a caveat in here, and that is, um, you know, make sure you talk to your dietitian and your doctor, and you know, this advice is just what we. Uh, this is this not is advice. What this I'm is information. Doing. Yeah, and and I'm That's trying fine. to talk you into writing a book, and <laughs> and I have started. I have Did started you? doing some writing. I've started collecting my thoughts in my oh, folder, Karen, Leanne, under each it. little section. Oh, good for you! Way to go! Way and to you go! Know, and it's not only just for the the mother that. Um, is being introduced to PKU all of a sudden she has a baby, they had the test and, oh, my gosh, there's something wrong. It's not only just for that but I think it's for dietitians as well because while the dietitians have clinical experience and then they're helping mothers with, with it, you're just – it's just another alternative and it's another way and another perspective of looking at it because I – um, and that's what I love about it. And you have two children and, and I understand that, you know, probably the bonus with you is that you have the BH4 um, yes. or the Q-Van that's available to you. But if this gets out and we, you know, you start a little bit of a revolution in Australia, every child that is able to have that Q-Van, because obviously I think I got from you that not every child with PKU can have the Q-Van. Am I right there? That's right. That's right. Not every child is responsive. It depends on the type of mutation. Right. So there's different different types of mutation. There's a BH4 deficiency. Um, you can lack the enzyme altogether. There can be a tyrosine deficiency. It's it's very complicated when you get down to the scientific side of of the mutation. One day, I keep telling the kids, I'm going to go to uni with them. I'm going to go and do my science degree and I'm going to understand all this stuff. <laughs> so, I, yeah, but- I think you have a really good understanding um, to the point where um, you can help your children and, yeah, and that's the main thing. I understand what I need to know yeah. at the moment. All right, so keep going with their diet. I'm really interested in, in those, the foods that obviously – look, I see already – Nine grams of protein. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It must be Absolutely. so it must be so challenging. I mean, just just very briefly, because I really want to I really want you to keep going on the food too, because I'm sitting here salivating. <laughs> um, how do you how do you know if you've gone over in terms of protein? Is there any signs that you would see on a day-to-day basis? When they were little, I used to write down everything that they had. And I used to add up the grams of, of protein. So when they ate something, I'd write it down in my little book. I'd check the packets of everything and I'd work out how much they had actually had. And we kept it under, it went to 15 grams, then it went to 20 grams, then it went to 25, then it went to 30. But the thing is with PKU, there is no 
it's not like an allergy where if you have an allergy to say nuts, you come in contact with it, you have a reaction. That doesn't actually happen. It's over the long term that the phenylalanine will build up in the blood. With the kids, especially with PKU, and this this is one thing too that we haven't touched on yet, aspartame or aspartame is like poison to a person with PKU because they just cannot break that stuff down in in big levels. And we did actually have a situation where Luke was giving given soft drink at the park when he was about three Ooh, and wow. it actually had neotame in it, which is more potent and we, I seen it on when he had had the soft drink and I looked at the back and went, no, this, this has got, ne- why would someone give a child soft drink? This has got neotame in it. And so I rang the metabolic clinic straight away. The doctor said, just keep an eye on him. He, he might feel a bit sick. He will get very racy, very hyperactive. Then he'll get very agitated and he'll, he'll pretty much get very teary, just very agitated, very edgy. And very anxious. Goodness. And so we kept an eye on him for a couple of days. And, of course, we, we knew that his levels would spike and he would have high levels that fortnight. So it was just a matter of eliminating everything else in his diet that contained any protein. So I dropped the dairy, dropped the meat, dropped the high-protein foods to bring his body back into balance. And that's something we need to watch with the kids when, they, when they're unwell or when they have a gross spurt, their levels will naturally spike. So I compensate for that. I watch when they're, when they're not well or when they're having big, big gross spurts and I will just reduce the level of protein in their diet just to, to keep an even keel. And that's why they do continue to take a, a synthetic formula, which is mainly to keep the taste and they have a protein-free milk as well, which is just to keep the taste because even with Violet, when she gets to a reproductive age, I don't know what's going to happen with QVan. I don't know if she can safely take that while pregnant. So this is this is a big part of why I educate my children the way I do and want, why I want to empower them to have control of their bodies and have that control of how their body will genetically express them, express itself. Leanne, so, your kids are blessed to have you. Mm, I'm sitting here, honestly, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed that we've got little people experiencing such hardship and challenges. And, you know, it's such a physical thing. It's such a physical expression. It's so, you know, um, it's not got any, you know, like it's not a mindset thing. It's just such a physical bodily function. Uh, yeah. And I just... You know, it breaks my heart that we've got mm-hmm. little people having to go through this. And uh, honestly, at the end of the day, they that's, are. They're that's why to I want you. to get out there. That's why I want to get out there that you can change the way people look at this. There's a lot of victimization in, in the PKU world. And I have come across it where people are like, oh, what? And they get overwhelmed. And some of the people get angry. Why does my kid have this? Why can't they have that? All we want to do is go to Macca's where everyone can have something. Where I want to go to a party where my kids can just have the food everyone else is eating. And if we empower these children, and it doesn't matter what kind of metabolic disease or if they have one or not, if you empower your children and if you 
give them the strength, if you give them the knowledge to be able to make these choices for themselves and to be able to look after their body and say, you know what, I choose not to have that because my body doesn't work well when I have that. And my kids know that. If they go to a party, they know not to touch soft drink, not to have lollies. Luke is very sensitive to sugar anyway and colorings. He gets very hyperactive. So he knows when he goes to a party and he has made that choice previously where he has said, no, thank you, no, I'll just have water or I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just have a little bit of this. I won't have the lollies. I'll just have – if you've got any chocolate, I'll have a little bit of chocolate. And for him, that's a good choice and I don't put too much – I don't put too much pressure on them. I used to when they were little, I had the fear of them eating the wrong thing. Mm. Now I just remind them before we go somewhere – to make good choices. And a lot of the time I will make their lollies with, with fruit and vegetable juice and gelatine and I will make their chocolate and I will make them treats that I will take and their little goodie bags and they have that option to eat what they have taken along or if they want to have a piece of birthday cake, it's okay. Have a piece of birthday cake, just cut the icing off and you can still enjoy the cake but it's making the better choice with what you're presented with. And they know they feel better later. Their bodies feel better. They, they go, yeah, mum, you know what? I didn't want to have any of that cake. And those lollies you made were really nice. And, and they get so caught up in playing with other children. But I just, I love, it just gives me so much pride when they come to me and say, mum, I made really good choices today. So how, how, is, how is the support mechanism around your kids and your family with as far as the community is concerned do people understand like do the do other no. adults understand and do they appreciate the degree uh, my family does my family does and that's come with time with them looking into pku themselves my mother-in-law has just been incredible with when she has the kids she has she always gives them food that they can have so she always has fruit and veggies she's a vegetarian herself so her diet is mainly fruit and veggies anyway and so is my sister-in-law. She has a really good, really good philosophy around food and they're very healthy. So mm. they feed my kids good things. But to be, to be honest with you, to begin with, I think there was a lot of, I, I was fearful when I first found out about PKU and I first looked into the research and the world of PKU, I, w- I was terrified. I was terrified for what kind of life my child would have if he would be okay if and I remember going to the doctors and my husband saying to their metabolic doctor will he be able to play football Mm. and the doctor said to him well that depends and you just seen this look on Dean's face this fearful look of of the unknown and he said well it depends if you're going to teach him Dean was like oh okay (laughs) so but there was that fear would he be able to do these things would he hit his milestones will he be okay and and then there was the fear for me will I cope okay how am I going to cope with this if I have a child that has special needs what would that mean for me what would that mean for Mason so I didn't tell a lot of people we only told very close friends and family to begin with because there was always that explanation of what PKU was and then when people googled it of course it always comes down to what you put into google so people would google it and come back and say doesn't that lead to retardation and you would have to explain only if untreated so and then there was this fear that when he went off to school would there be any prejudice would the teachers say if he can't do this right 
is it because of the PKU? Yeah. And even with the health nurse, she said when Luke wasn't feeding properly for a while, she said it could be the PKU. I said, no, I'm pretty sure it's his mouth or the way <laughs> I'm feeding him. I don't think it's the PKU. And then it came to a stage where I felt I had enough information and I was well enough informed in myself that if anyone said anything to me, any health professionals within our area, I was confident that I knew more and I was confident that I was seeing results in my children. So the network, I reached out many, many, many times in the PKU world. The QVAM was always a block and also... I never had access and I looked and I have searched and I've constantly told them at the metabolic clinic, please put me in touch with other people that are trialing the QVAN. Please give anyone, everyone, my details. If anyone wants to contact me, they are more than welcome. And there's now a PKU group, which is Bring QVAN to Australia that I'm part of and I have been chatting to one mother in particular who has found out her daughter is BH4 responsive and is looking at starting the QVAN when she starts solids. So that is the only contact I've had. And so my support network has been my friends. I've got an amazing friend that I went walking with at 6 o'clock this morning, Robin, mm-hmm. and she she's, she's studied, studied to be a naturopath. So she's a naturopath. And the first time I ever heard about organic food was from her and about natural remedies. And Cindy, you've got a question that you wanted to kick off this last 15 minutes with Leanne about her kids and where they are now. Yeah. Like, so we don't even know the age of, uh, of Luke Mason and, and Violet. Uh, so that was question number one. And question number two is that you brought up that when Luke drank the um, drink that was a, an artificial sweetener in it um, and the symptoms that Luke had are very ADD, ADHD, and a lot of these kids are not even eating well. So what I want to pose to you is that y- you are forced into this with the problem of PKU, but I think every mother should be forced into the awareness that they're giving their children, the what they have to do for their children to do, to explain to them that the foods out there are poisoning them and can have an effect on their physical body and their behaviour. It's over to you. What do you think about that one, Leanne? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, to answer your first question, my boys are seven. They turn eight in May and Violet is five. So they're, they're very close in age. I had three babies in two years. So it was very busy. And the second question, yeah, behavioral problems are a very, that's, that's part of PKU. It does come along because of the way it affects the brain. So behavioral problems, developmental delay is, is a very big part of, of PKU. And especially with the behavioral problems, there has been times when We've looked at Luke and thought, especially when it comes to how he eats and how he expresses himself and how he doesn't seem to be able to have full control of his feelings at times, that we have gone down that path of questioning, is there something more? He's a very intelligent child. He's excelling at school. But when it does come to his emotions, especially if he's tired or if he's unwell, he has a lot of trouble in being able to express how he feels, being able to cope with his emotions, being able to 
Uh, it's a sensory thing as well, loud noises. We've had to leave places where there's been too much noise or too much chaos because he can't cope with that. So when he does eat bad when he has too much sugar, any colouring, and we've seen it happen. He just goes hypo where he's running around. He can't deal with what's going on around him and then he melts down and it's an epic meltdown usually. Wow. So that is that is a very big part of PKU. But even in saying that, I did reach out to his doctors about the behavioural stuff and received no help whatsoever there. So it was something I explored myself and it's been – also through my chiropractor, who is fabulous, that we have been able to do work on Luke and we've been able to, he's adjusted him, he's fixed, he was subluxated in his neck, so that affected the way messages were being sent and through his cere- cerebellum. So we've been able to work on that with Luke, we've been able to eliminate sugar completely out of his diet. On the odd occasion, he will have something And usually it's, you know, he'll have an ice cream or something. And we always say to him, look, mate, have it. That's fine. But make the connection afterwards. And and we've noticed when he has had his little binges, he'll go to bed at night and he'll cry because his legs won't stop moving. He'll be agitated. And we just say, "Do, do you think you've had something different today than what you normally would? Do you think maybe it's the sugar? Because it's not you. You're not normally like this. I think maybe the sugar is making your body do things that you can't control. So we we do encourage the kids to make that connection. And sometimes it comes from a third party. When when our chiropractor does talk to them about food choices, especially about sugar, they listen. They listen. And and they've they've learnt to read labels. Now we're get, starting to get the kids involved in measuring their feed levels when we get the results back from their blood tests to be able to start putting putting them on a chart so they can start to monitor their levels and make the connection with the two weeks that they've had, with how their their body has felt, with whether they've grown, with what foods they've eaten and what levels they get back in return. You know, Leanne, I love what you've done just from a psychological perspective there in that you've distinguished who they are as almost separate to the body in that, you know, this is not you, this is the body's response to sugar. Yeah. So you're not making them feel like you're going through this, you have PKU or you are PKU, the body has it. Which yes. then it, it, it kind of it repositions the way that they relate to it because it repositions them as the observer as opposed to the experience that they positions them as the observer. So that the, the real them, the actual awareness of them is then able to observe the body experiencing PKU as opposed to them saying, I have PKU. Yeah, and I think that comes into the, the primal side of my journey and uh, raising the kids – in a, in a primal kind of way is that the PKU is there, but if they do the right things by their body, they can choose how their body expresses its, its switches that it can turn on or off, like the behavioral disorders. Your body can turn those on or off depending on the environment that you give it. Mm. So I encourage the kids to... Play in dirt. Look, I'm, I'm a little bit of a free-range parent as as well. My kids are always in the dirt. They're always out in the court. They're always 
grubby. We have a veggie garden. We go, we go out in the bush a lot. So there's that connection with nature, with grounding. We go out in the bush as much as possible. We catch fish. My husband is very much a mountain man. He's very much a bushman. So <laughs> Everyone should have a mountain man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, so, I sounded like Kimmy then. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, I'm taking on the tart roll for the day. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the primal side pretty much is, is just giving them simple instructions that allow you to control how your genes express themselves in a way that they can so your body can be the strongest and the best it possibly can be we can never change the pku but we can change the we can change the factors around it we can change how they feel about it how they think about it how their body responds to certain things we can there are all the things that we can control pku is just like having for us if a child has a nut allergy or a dairy allergy or some kids have funny ears or some kids, you know, it's every, every child has a thing. So PKU is, is, is no different to that. For, and, you know, and, and type 1 diabetes, you know, like That's right. these mothers um, are going through the same situation. They're, their learning curve is great. And I know some mothers that have got the insulin levels down so low with their, their type 1, like they've been in the – um, a period where they've been trying to stop the attack of the body um, on the beta cells. So what I feel you're doing, Leanne, is this, this is for every mother. This isn't just for a mother that has somebody with type 1 or an allergy or a PKU or whatever it is. This is an, a new way of mothering, a new way of educating their child about uh, their body, the foods they eat, how they relate to um, things that are happening in their body as far as the itchy legs and they're mad with themselves. Or I, do, yeah. I love what you're doing and I, I would ask people to follow you because you're in the midst of it. And um, I, I think it's important that people actually get into your psyche. Would, would you agree with me on that one, Karen? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Thank you, ladies. I think it's, you know, if you think <laughs> collectively, we are obviously, we've, and you said this ages ago, Cindy, that this will be the age that we look back on and think, what the hell did we do? Yeah. And I think that, you know, and, and I don't know this because I'm not the expert on it, obviously, but I think that we can look back and see all of our children having gone through so much and all of the, the, the shifts and the changes and the way that the body responds to the environment and to all of those sorts of things. I think we're going to look back and go, OMG. And and if we can arrest the process in any way, shape or form in our parenting and in the way that we relate to our environment, I think that's the way that we're going to be able to get back to, as you say, that primal way of being. And it's also, you know, like it's physical and it's emotional and it's spiritual and it's mental and it's all of those things. I, I, I really, I take my hat off to you and I think what you're doing is what I would call conscious parenting because, you know, you've chosen to become more educated than those who are the advisors, which then puts you in a position of control and it puts you in a position of knowing and understanding beyond what our doctors and medical profession can know. So what you've done is you're able to now look at all of the resources around you and wheel in what you need based on what you know. 
Uh, absolutely. I look at it as a, a bit of a holistic approach. You look mm. at everything, all the factors around it, not just one thing. And while there is that that trust and that um, where I do look to the doctors, I also know that they are going to tell me what I need to know as far as even the gut health cue van. There's no extra information that you get. So these things you really have to seek out for yourself. Always seek advice where you need to. But also I found for me having the information really empowered me and it was through knowledge that I could find the tools that I needed to apply into my life and to my and to my children's lives. And I think especially for PKU, a big thing that needs to be looked into is gut health because of the amount of synthetic formulas. And there has been research to show that these formulas are very heavy on the kidneys. So that becomes a problem later on in life. Yeah, right. But even with, with my children and the primal side of and free-range parenting is I just want them to experience everything they possibly can. And I ask them a lot of questions as far as we went we went for a family bushwalk up at your Robin Falls and they're running down the stairs quite fast and instead of saying, don't run, you're going to hurt yourself, I say to them, be aware of your surroundings, guys. Use your ears and listen. Use your eyes and watch. Use your feet and feel where you're stepping. Think ahead and think where your next foot is going to fall and give them that instead of saying, oh, don't run, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's things like that when they climb a tree and they can't get back down, where do you think you should put your foot next? Do you think that's a safe branch? Okay. And and encourage them to do the odd dangerous thing in a good environment that is going to test their limits. So they learn to trust themselves. And I think that comes with the nutritional side as much as anything is being able to trust themselves and trust their decisions. So I, I try to encourage that as much as possible and, and where their food comes from. They know where their food comes from. They know we have a beautiful cow in our freezer that we got from friends of ours that have a farm and they know the cow was black and, and daddy oh. went down when when the cow, I'm so sorry, Carolyn. Oh. <laughs> the mountain but man. She's, yes, but she's she's a beautiful cow and even Violet says, oh, she was a black cow and, and she gave her life so we can nourish our bodies. Oh, so that's just they, they absolutely know. They know we have a great relationship with our, our local organic shop and the kids go in there. We've we've switched from having the odd um, muffin and hot chocolate with Violet when she was little to now we go and have our treat is a super orb and kombucha. So we do things like that. They dig in the garden. They know the veggie garden. They know about their food. I educate them. We Google, and what we don't know, we Google. Let's go- let's Google what broccoli does for our bodies, and it all starts with just you know one piece of broccoli. Two little bits of spinach, one carrot. It's all that's on your plate. Just eat that. A lot of people say, I can't get my kids to eat vegetables. I can't get my kids to eat salad. Just one bit every night mm. consistently. Just one little bit. And they'll, they'll learn because that will become the new norm. My kids take meals for lunch. They have their little containers. Mace loves his olives and his cuts of meat. And and they take organic little tortilla chips and and. Yeah, look, it's it's what you give them. They know what you give them. So mm-hmm. if you can give them as much as possible and answer their questions and give them questions to ask, it's it's amazing. 
And while they're so little, you can you can give them all this information, and they're just they're just beautiful little people. I they don't question their PKU. All they say to people is their tummy works a little bit differently. Mm. Now, look, we're just coming to the end and I just want everybody to know that you are writing a book and I think it's a book for everybody, just not PKU. But we also need to highlight um, what is happening with PKU and the QVAN. I've learned so much. Mm. I, um, you know, like I said, I learned about it in nutrition school, but I've not come across anybody. So I'm really excited that you are waving the flag, um, getting people to understand it, but also as a mother um, doing a very different approach as primal mum. So before the book, when the book comes out, we are going to interview you again. But until that book is out, yeah, until it's out, how do they find you? I'm on Facebook as Primal Mum and Instagram. Most of my traffic is will be Facebook. I'm, I seem to be on there a lot more. So that's um, the link to that is, is it facebook.com forward slash Primal Mum. Would that yep. sound right? Let me <laughs> yeah, find so you'll you. find me on, on Facebook. You can ask me any questions on there. I've got lots of lots of pictures of the food we eat. Uh, how how we live, the kids in their little beautiful dirty hands and feet and out running amok and and, and just my life as as well. What's all there on on Primal Mum and my journey to educate my kids and to just give them everything they need to be able to make the best decisions they can for how their body is genetically designed to function. So I just really want to empower them, liberate them, inspire them. And if if anyone would like to contact me at all, absolutely. If anyone has PKU or anyone's looking into QVAN and would like to contact me, please do. From my understanding, QVAN is... Uh, the new patent is being written for seven to ten years. There will be a new patent, which will mean it will change access to QVAN. So right. as much work as we can do in between now and then to raise awareness, hopefully everyone will have access to it within the next seven years. So I just looked up on the website um, on Facebook, and it is. It's all the w's.facebook.com forward slash primal, P-R-I-M-A-L-M-U-M. So primal mum. Yes. Awesome. So that's how people can get in touch with that's you. That's right. Cool. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh that would be Karen's oh. phone, I think. Oh, no. Can you believe it? Oh, no. Sorry. Is that the bell that we're finished? That is the bell that we're finished. So to everybody listening to today's show, please go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And let us know if you've got any comments or questions for our primal mum. Leanne, you have been an absolute treat to interview. I have loved every minute of this conversation. It's been unique, it's been special, and it's been an honour. So thank you for sharing your journey with us. We feel very blessed. Thank you. Um, And it's been such an honour to talk to you lovely ladies. (laughs) Thank you, my love. You can also leave all of your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. We'd love to hear from you there. And join us here next week on Up for a Chat for an amazing interview, an amazing discussion, and hopefully we'll have our beautiful Kimmy back with us by then. Uh Maybe, unless she jets off again. (laughs) 
So join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We love hanging out with you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their business, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.